Awesome. On today's show, what we have for you is sitting down with singer, songwriter, Mr. Shay Watson, fresh off the back of his recent viral hit, Mystery Team. More on that later, including two exclusive, not one, but two. Um, he also has an album out this week. Uh, you can find all of his links in the bio. Let's get into the interview. Ciao, ciao. All right, lovely. I'm gonna just set, I'm gonna set the recording off now, and then we can yeah. we'll get into it. How you doing, man? Yeah. I'm all right. Well, what are you up to? If I can get into people's heads that are already doing things, then I can help other people get to where they want to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. equally, you Absolutely. know, everybody that's part of that experience is is gonna help people along that journey. So Sorry. yeah, yeah, so it's pretty yeah, nice. You hear that going off in the uh, background? I don't know Sorry, what that no. is. This. Hey! <laughs> 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 so nice. I'm, I'm going to try and keep him quiet. But that's all right. He's going to start being a pain. Yeah, I have this look. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Sorry, I got distracted by that. Yeah, that's all right. No, that's, that's really, right. it's really great because yeah, rising tide raises all ships, kind of thing, isn't it? it exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done a few radio things because that single did so well, um, and so I'm getting quite used to this. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable, mate. Yeah, honestly. I love that. I, I love that track. I cannot believe it. Like, I was just mucking about. I was literally just mucking about in my kitchen, mm-hmm. just thinking, oh, this will be something for myself to listen to in a, mm-hmm. in a bit. But it just kicked off. And, like, is it like 70? Well, across social media, it's over 100,000 views. And like, no way. Is it really? amazing? It's amazing. Wow. Like, one of the people on Facebook's got, like, 75,000. There's mm-hmm. another one with 5,000. Twitter's got, like, 10,000. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's unreal. Mm-hmm. I've just hit some kind of um, zeitgeist kind of... Because it's, it's homemade in the kitchen. So I think yes. that hit people's sort of lockdown sensibilities and... Uh, it's quite an upbeat song, so I think that cheered people up a bit. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it, it brings people out of the woodwork, doesn't it, when uh, when you strike a chord with them as well? Because I think a lot of people kind of silently support from the sidelines. And, Very much, um, yeah. And it's good when you get something that brings out even even those people. You know you've touched on something. Exactly. I mean, as an actor, I, will, I was always like, well, I just want a reaction. Whether it's an extremely good or an extremely bad reaction, mm-hmm. that's great. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the no reaction that is, is the most hurtful. It's just that, like, oh, yeah. And I've yeah. got that in a lot of music I've put out before. <laughs> it just, it's nice to have something people go, wow, grab onto it. I've had people sort of say, what, what can I do? Like, can I help you out with marketing and this and that? And so I've had like cool. a little team behind me doing social media for a bit and stuff. And uh, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Going viral don't make you money, though, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I guess the trick is you've got to you got to keep on with it, haven't you? You got to keep on going viral, kind of. Uh, That's the idea. Like yeah. reverse engineer it and think what happened there. I mean, you've touched upon it already with um, with kind of getting into that like lockdown sensibility made from home, and I guess that was the the kind of the genesis for your your follow up track with the sweet spot. Is that kind of why exactly. you went about that? It is, yeah. I thought I'd try and sort of take it up a level and mm-hmm. uh, keep that sort of me playing all the different band members, but yeah. have it all in one shot. And then I thought, well, I can't just do the band again. So then I had that idea for, I don't know if it's in the video, but for like yeah. cutting out the faces of the famous albums and yeah. doing that all. So that, that was a lot of fun. Technically, quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I've got the green screen up in the kitchen for that. Just to put myself back in the kitchen, I used a green screen. <laughs> I'm, awesome. I'm hardly Lucasfilm over 
delivery is. So mm-hmm. it's all done on the iPad through like iMovie, GarageBand. No like I, I don't. I'm not really a very good technical person at all. Uh-huh. So I'm learning my way through EQs and reverbs and compressions and all this techie stuff. I've got no idea on, but just playing around to it sounds nice, you know. Yeah, and, lovely. And video editing, Rob, wise, exactly the same. Like I've done a bit of green screen photography before for a job. And uh, hang on, let me get rid of this. Dog. One minute. Sorry, <laughs> no mate. problem. No problem. Come on, hey, 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 come on. <laughs> it's no food. Come on. Bless hey, you. Good boy. Typical, isn't it? He'll sit there quietly every yeah. other day. But yeah. the one minute it's like, oh, he's talking to someone. <laughs> I think I'll get in on this. Yeah, I want attention. <laughs> I want attention. Exactly. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So that's a dashing, right? He's an actor's dog. Yeah, he's a wirehead dachshund. He's a um, scruffy dog. Right. Yeah. yeah. My mum's got some miniature dachshunds. <laughs> So they're like they. Oh my gosh! I fell in love with those. They're just such lovely dogs, aren't they? The Dachshunds, like that. They're so species. comedy as well. They're little, sort of yeah. little Napoleon kind of yeah. like trot they've got. But he's uh, he's quite big actually. He's because he's he's a standard, and his dad was American, so obviously they do everything bigger anyway. Mm. So everyone's always like, "My God, the size of that sausage dog!" And he's got a bark on him as well. Yeah. I called him Barkley and he's ended up having a really big bark. I should have called him Whispers. Always think ahead. Yeah, always think ahead. Nah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always thought to call like call my, my first dog like Cat or something, you know, just to yeah. like mess with people. But then they're just so, like when my mum got those dogs, I absolutely fell in love, like, and fell in love with them. And I was like, I get it now. I completely get why people get upset when they pass away, why you yeah. get so attached to them. It just all makes sense. Like they've got so much time for you, don't they? Like you, yeah. you he's give them love, they give you so much life. back. He's changed my life. Like mm. I, I, I hardly go out now because I don't, I don't <laughs> want to leave him. Like, I just want to hang out with my mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Lockdown has been all right. He's going to, I'll tell you what, he's, if we, when I go back out into the world, he's going to feel it because he's mm. had me around 24-7 this year. Mm. And so he's really going to feel put out, I think, when I eventually leave him alone in the house. Yeah, they're very loyal <laughs> dogs, aren't they, as well? So yeah. he's confused. Yeah. You don't like it when anyone leaves. Like, yeah. if mates come round, he's like, where, where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> Nice, nice. So look, let's uh, let's get into this. You know, Shay, you're a you're a singer songwriter, uh, frontman for a band, solo artist, actor of the stage and the screen. So like, you know, you, you've you, what a varied uh, varied life you've kind of led up to date in the in the creative industries. Like, where do you start with that? Like, why why do you enjoy doing all of those things? Why not just acting? Why not just singer-songwriter? What's your drive? That's an interesting question, really. Music's what got me into everything in the first place. When I was at school, I was kind of... um, I was lost as a kid. Like, I I had family issues, and I was brought up by my nan and granddad, and so I was quite lost from the age of four years old. And when I was about 14, 15, I started getting into music, and a few mates at my school really got me into like the underground um, post-punk grunge scene. This was like mid-90s, so we're talking uh, off of Nirvana and the scene that they caused, and all the sort of bands that were coming up um, doing punky, grungy, indie, lo-fi stuff. And uh, I started um, just going to a lot of gigs around Hastings and Tunbridge Wells where I grew up, Um, and then just wanted to do that. That is what I wanted to do. I wanted to get up on stage and be in a band. I mean, I... 
throughout my childhood, like I used to sing along to rock set cassette tapes. This is I'm showing you. I remember starting a, a band. Do you remember Kid and Play who did the Kid movie House Play. Party? No. No, I do not. Down very age. There's an old like there's an old film called House Party and Kid and Play were like two rappers. They were kind of around the same time the Fresh Prince came out. Okay. And yeah. so it was that kind of early rap yeah, but really like family friends. Sister, sister. It wasn't gangster. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was all mm-hmm. just fun and colourful jumpers and big trainers and mm-hmm. sneakers or something. Mm-hmm. But um so I started a rap band with my friend and we were called Step and Jam. Strong name. That's a good name, name, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's about all we had. We didn't have any songs. We just had the name. <laughs> and the Step and Jam. Out. I'm down for that. But then I, I buy those records. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. But, um, and then I moved on to sort of band stuff. So, yeah, I got into the indie scene and, and I started off uh, playing the drums. Um, I've said on a few other sort of uh, radio interviews I've done that my granddad taught me how to play drums on some ice cream boxes and a biscuit tin lid nailed to a bit of wood. Um, no and that was my drum. He just taught, because he was a jazz drummer back in the war, um, and pre-war. And, and so he taught me how to do a bit of sort of jazz drumming, keep a beat and all of that. And I just started taking that. Well, I'm because I was a bit of a wallflower, so I didn't want to be at the front of the stage. I couldn't play guitar or anything, because we couldn't. No way. No way. You? I was just, I was, I, I was a wallflower. So I just wanted oh, to be whoa. at the back, feeling the groove. Mm-hmm. Um but then I started doing a sort of, I did a guest song with a friend's band where I came up and I, oh, it was almost like performance poetry. And I like that. Like being the front, being at the front. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like spoken word type fun. stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was music behind it, but I was doing this like weird sort of, spo- yeah. I mean, you're young, you're college aged, you're mm-hmm. being all arty and farty, mm-hmm. aren't you? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I've just moved on. And then I lived with a guy who played guitar and he had loads of guitars around and loads of um, Oasis books with like the chord charts. So I just taught myself guitar um, when I had spare time. Wow. Uh, um, and then that afforded me to be able to write some songs, which is what essentially I then came to realise is what I always was good at. And I think that's why I like acting as well, because it, it's words. Uh, whether you're learning someone else's words and then uh, putting feeling and emphasis into them and performing them or writing your own, which is what I really prefer. And I've not had a go at writing a play or a script or a... a You've a, never tried. Anything. I've never tried oh, yet, no. You, you should do that. I you do should enjoy songwriting. <laughs> I know, because I do enjoy that process of um, creating from the, from the start of it, because writing is number one, isn't it? So that's the bit I enjoy most about the songwriting. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe I should do try that. I've got ideas. In my notes folder on my phone, (laughs) there is about 20 TV show ideas about (laughs) zombies and all other kind of crazy stuff because I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Same, same, um, big time. Big time. I've got so many film and TV ideas about apocalypses Mm. and time travel and like it's ridiculous. So every now and then I go through my phone and think, well, that's quite good. That could be like a, a, a script or a a theatre show maybe or a play or something so I'll, maybe I will at some point try and do that I mean there's lots of things to tick off the creative box uh, list or tick off the creative list tick the boxes of the creative list for before uh, the end of the life or career yeah, um, yeah but yeah so I suppose yeah writing a screenplay or something would be a, a, a one of those boxes to tick i think yeah absolutely um, i mean all you have to make sure is that you got the the right format you know the right formatting of the script but prior to that you know that's just a case of giving it to an editor and saying yeah, make this yeah. look like um make this look like an actual script 
I've actually got a friend who's a, who is a writer. She she's done stuff for BBC. She's, um, she's doing some Corrie now. She's writing some of the Corrie episodes. Excellent. She's really rising up the sort of ranks. They've done a lot of theatre, but now she's getting into sort of TV scripting stuff. Um, so she'd be the person who I could absolutely tap up and say, help help me uh, get it to sort of an industry standard format. But I've got the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a lot of practice of getting dialogue right, isn't it? And um, Screenplays are very different to just writing a story. So yeah, it's, exactly. Um, yeah. Have well, you done I mean, it yourself? Yeah, I've done. I've done a couple, and um, I've I've written some a couple of songs actually for um, for an artist, and um, I found that actually this is why I kind of recommend it to you because I found the divide between the two wasn't actually too different. Okay. You know, um, I just uh, I can hear myself through your. Um, your microphone i think is it um is there something is it too hot i don't know yeah i don't know what's going on there what it's my bleep oh hang on speak yeah hello 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 oh god yeah you're coming right nice hang on hang on hang on hang on where were we at there so we t- oh yeah we were talking about the kind of the script and the transfer so yeah i found that um i found that having written a few songs and then already written a few scripts it was still storytelling you know, yeah. so it was just like storytelling, but in a different kind of form, you know, it was like, for me, I get to songwriting through poetry. So I've written some mm-hmm. poems and I get there through poetry. Do you know what I mean? So there's like the transfer same. is through there. Nice. So I don't yeah, think you exactly would, the same. I don't think you would find it too kind of jarring, you know, making that switch. If you've got ideas, mm. that is, if you've got script ideas, you know. I think definitely so. have. Yeah. I think what I'd struggle with is, is like I'd say that like the dialogue, um, I, I'd be great at doing a monologue, but a dialogue, it's just finding the right style, isn't it? Because I find so often when I watch stuff, it, it's terrible. Like mm. the, the, the dialogue, especially British things. Like I find them really bad for their writing sometimes, but then I'll watch. And, and that's the problem with TV now, because it's got to be really good. TV's kind of overtaking movies. Like, I was watching Fargo, the new season last oh, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, the direction, the style, the, the scripting, the seat. Like, it's it's just almost Oscar level in every episode. And there's lots of other shows like that out there. And so when I watch British stuff, I find it really dull and a, a bit stagnant sometimes, because I don't think we've quite jumped onto that level of tv mm. there's a couple of things here and there like I, I caught up with utopia which is quite an old show and they've just remade it in america but that was quite good it's the stylized like quite often when i've worked in tv i've come across directors from two different kind of breeding grounds there's the old school guys from the 70s that did minder and they, they just do <laughs> by the numbers the bill you know all that right and they do very much paint by numbers in their, yes. in their direction yes. and i'm sure writers are the same as well having come from just doing soaps and and tv dramas procedurals things like that whereas now you've also got your your newer crowd who are more like your music video directors or your your arty sort of indie film makers and they're being a bit more um interesting in their choices of how to put things together and string narratives together and write dialogue i mean look at tarantino when he came on the scene he's doing a gangster film and all of a sudden they're sat around talking about cheeseburgers just like they're in regular life and that was a revolution at the time because Mm. people didn't talk like real life on movies and Mm. he blended the two together kevin smith did the same where it's just seeing your own conversations with your mates on screen in these 
bizarre situations. And that's what I really sort of um, dug about that 90s movie indie um, sort of um, explosion that happened with some of those guys. Um, so I think that's what I'd want to sort of um, work on is the stylistic approach to, to the writing of a script, to the dialogue. And the, my problem is, is that I'm not very good at um, having been in bands and having now done this thing myself this year at home. I've realised I, I do work well on my own and I do like <laughs> having final say on every little sort of right. aspect. Did you get, uh-huh. get me? So you've discovered um, a little so bit that's... of the control freak kind of thing inside yourself i think so i didn't think i was like that i mean i am don't get me wrong when i collaborate i'm a very open and easy person but maybe that's because i stand back too much and Ah. the end result isn't maybe always how i want it but i'm like well it's collaboration it's like the old saying isn't it about the the camel being a a horse designed by committee and i often find that is the case because when you're the the um the ideas the, the when you're the person that has birthed the concept when you get to the end result, if you haven't had autonomous control over it all, you're not going to end up with what was in your head originally. Never. And I've learned over the years just to be like, okay, so I'll get an original idea. I'll think what it will end up like, but let's see. And so I've worked with bands and other musicians and, and other actors in theatre and things like that. <laughs> and um, and it's got to a place where it's good, but it's not unearthed what I imagined originally. <laughs> and so now I'm in a position, having suddenly gone solo, that I'm... Um, I'm finding that I am getting to, I've done the guitar, I've done the mics and everything and, and the vocals. And, and so at the end, I can just like, that's all me. I've done it all myself and like, I'm very proud of it, but also it's, it's my vision uh, through to the end. And I, I am quite enjoying that, I must say, but I've got to learn to work well with others again once we get out of lockdown <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great but yeah i mean i think it, it's kind of funny because in in the one in the one breath it seems like you found a lot of confidence um by being part of a group you know you've mentioned like being the wallflower and and kind of learning from other people and then finding your confidence by being this kind of front man and then being forced into a situation where you've got to work solo and then discovering that actually that's kind of a conclusion to what you were actually working towards kind of all along. <laughs> and now yeah, you've got to adjust back again. And even more than that, when I started on drums, that was at the back of the stage hidden mm. behind. Then I moved on to guitar. And, but still, you've got that kind of thing to yeah, hide you, behind. Yeah, it's a shield. Um, mm. in, be- in between verses, when you're singing, you can look down and concentrate on the guitar. And then taking that away just to be a front man in a band was another one of those steps of sort of getting confidence and growing as a performer. Because then you're just you on stage. And when everyone else is playing the instruments, you've got a kind of the audience is looking at you to do something. Yes. <laughs> and you just yeah. give it a bit of a groove or something. Yeah. But, and that, that certainly and I, I think the theatre background helped with that because then I, I knew how to um, give an audience what you, with an audience i find you get back what you give and so as a front man in a band uh, a lot of people who might not have that theater background might not realize how to sort of play around with the audience and, and mm. get them going and g'd up and yeah you know a lot of people have always commented on my uh, with my last band princip where i was just the front man i didn't play an instrument and um, they always commented that the live shows were so much fun because the energy and the performance and uh, just if you look like you're having fun, everyone else is having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't. Help... I think I've got that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I couldn't help but notice it in your rehearsals for uh, the track Mona Lisa with Princip. You're still mm. giving it the, even though you're in the rehearsal room, you're still yeah, giving absolutely. it the showman. 
You know, I think uh, it's, it's yeah. I've always wondered that. if other people do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't thought else, about I've, that until I've I saw never, it. I've never. I'd like to see another band rehearse to see what they do because um, you, you're practicing, really, aren't you? And plus, I just want to. I just want to get lost in my own fantasy of being a rock star a little bit. Yeah, and that yeah. is, I'm playing like I'm just playing like I was mm. when I was a kid, and I was playing mm. being the step and jam or whatever yeah. <laughs> like i'm still doing that i'm still trying to live out the fantasy of, of, of that teenage kind of um, dream and i love it yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> I, I think it's um i think it's something that's quite common between kind of rock stars and actors they a lot of actors want to be rock stars a lot of rock stars want to be actors and you do see that in a lot of people's uh, you know crossover you know uh, lady gaga mm. has has done a, quite a bit of acting hasn't she i think uh yeah. maybe taylor swift uh, jared leto has done some in recent years keanu reeves yeah, yeah. you know there's quite a lot yeah. of, of a lot of people Sting. that are, yeah, Sting. Um, it's the in other fact, one, Steve a, Martin as well. Steve Martin, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does some great banjo albums, doesn't he? Yeah, right. some incredible banjo I, stuff. I, I think he's supposed to be in something like the top five banjo players in the world. Yeah, you know, he's There's like, he's for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only six. It's a tough instrument. It's it a is. tough instrument. It is. It's a toughie. Um, Again, though, I was watching Fargo, and there's a. I don't know if you know Andrew Bird. He's quite not, he's not that well known, but he, he'll turn up on a lot of tiny desk concerts online and things like that. And he, he's a good musician and he turned up in Fargo and I was watching it. I was going, that's a random one. Cause he's such a, he's not like a superstar, like Lady Gaga, or anything, mm-hmm. but he's, he's just this kind of little musician that's there, but not many people know about him. And he's suddenly got this really good part in Fargo and he's really good in it. And it, it's, um, it's interesting to see how even people who aren't superstars can get to that sort of little bug to take a step into that world and, and bridge yeah. the gap. Yeah, big time. And I've, always, I've always said I, I wanted to, to um, make it, as they say, as an actor or get some renown so that I could just get my music in. That was always the plan. Oh. If I could get some following as an actor, yes. then I'd get them to come and listen to my music and come to some gigs and things like that. So it was always that. That, that was the way around that I'd want to do it. Wow. Obviously, if I became a musician, I'd try and use that to get a bit of acting work, maybe. Yes. But um, ah, I, I'm more and more, okay. as I get older, I more love the music than the acting. Mm-hmm. Because I find a lot of times you get treated like, not in theatre so much, but you get treated more like a prop in acting than part of the creative. Uh, you're just process, part of the process. Mm. You stand there, do that, say that. And there's so much other things going on with the lighting and, and the sound and the props and the costume and the set and blah, blah, blah. But when you're doing a TV show or a film, you don't feel like um, the main part of it at all, I find. Um, yeah, you, you just feel like very of... much just one little cog in the machine. Yeah, and, exactly. And you I was don't just have about much to say. say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and think... so doing, doing music gives you a lot more control over uh, over your, your, what you're doing, really. Mm. A lot more options as well. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think it's a, I had a similar kind of perspective of, of that on... Um, kind of the perception of actors i don't think is it's always a good one you know i think i i always preferred to kind of have multiple strings to my bow as it were no especially these days i think you can't just be an actor now you have to also write or you have to um, have some other kind of string to your bow to get you in the door because i think just just being an actor is not good enough anymore because there's Mm. so many people doing so many different creative things for themselves and in this world where 
you've got the internet now. Anyone can make a little movie at home and put mm-hmm. it on the internet. Steven Soderbergh made a film on the iPhone. If he can do it, I'm sure everyone yeah, can have a go at it. Can. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Not saying if he could do it, anyone can, but <laughs> he's shown people that you can do it. You can, absolutely. And that's right. what my idea behind making the music videos was, getting that little sort of creative outlet going as well. And in the days of the internet, you can just make stuff and you can put it out. And hopefully one day someone will glob on to, like myself, that one song that I put out that hit, people will glob onto it and mm. make a fuss about it. And it feels nice and it's great, but you can just do it. You can just whatever you've got in your mind, you can just do it yourself. And that's brilliant, but also very tough in terms of getting any renowned or, or making it, as I say, in inverted commas, because everyone can do it. So you've really got to come up with something good now, I think, to rise to the top. Yeah, to kind um, of stand out a little. Mm. It's interesting. So I can be a musician, but then I can also make these music videos and acting them. Or So that was my idea between sort of putting something a bit of a different spin on the music uh, output that normally people do um and like you say writing if you're if you're an actor write your own thing try and put it on in the theater because you can wait to be cast for the rest of your life but you've got <laughs> you a, can. matt it's, damon and ben affleck always were yeah. the inspiration really aren't they like just try and make something happen for yourself because you can acting's a lottery ticket it really is i mean you can be the best actor in the world but if you're not in the right place at the right time you're just gonna be doing very um, low paid work and mm. unrecognized work forever mm. um and being 40 years old now i have definitely yeah, realized I that, that i don't yeah. want to spend my whole life yeah. holding on to that lottery ticket yeah. i've got a friend actually sadie um and she she's got a hell of a cv 60 years old do you remember are you a blackadder fan yeah yeah like blackadder so, yeah uh, there's a scene in the second blackadder the elizabethan one mm-hmm. where he goes up to the young crone and he asks her where the wise woman in uh, is oh, and she's like yeah. the wise woman the wise, the wise woman. woman yeah 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 so that so that's my friend Sadie. Oh, okay. so she's been in stuff for years <laughs> coronation street she was ken barlow's love interest for a bit mm-hmm. so she's been very busy working she was due to do the new stoppard play before uh, lockdown came in so she is a good actress with a lengthy career and even she is at times like i don't know where my next paycheck's coming from yeah like, i'm a bit worried and i I, I saw that and i was a bit like like that's i was hoping that would end at some point in this career where you're not worried you've got a bit of security but only a special few get that so i think i realized um i don't know if i want to live that way forever so i've got to start looking into other things as well Mm. because as a young man i was always like no i'm not going to do anything else i'm an actor i do my music on the side but i'm an actor and i'm gonna make it yes if i don't then i I don't deserve to be old if i haven't made my money by then or whatever you know i've really kind of no doubt in my mind that the world was going to be uh, at my feet and having a halfway through that journey i'd guess now maybe not halfway but halfway through that journey now i suddenly think i don't want to be scrabbling around like that forever i want to get a few strings to my bow and, and a few other skills and, and uh, broaden the horizons because i can't just wait for that agent to phone i can't just wait for that person to spot my audition tape or something it's it's too tough I'm sorry to be like depressing. No, 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 it's good. I mean, <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's, I think, the, it's the journey I'm on as a creative. Yeah, yeah. It's like, one, you've, you've kind of looked at that confidently and gone, what do I need to do to get to where I need to be? And in doing so, analysed it, realised that actually that kind of image you had of the industry before you got into the industry is not necessarily what 
the actual picture is on the other side. But yeah. Equally, you're addressing that there there needs to be like action taken to get you there. Do you know what I mean? So at least yeah, you're kind of coming absolutely. from a position of confidence to drive you forward to a goal. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I don't think it's like doom and gloom. I just, I think it's like, you know, it, it's that being realistic, but within creative confines. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's not saying, it's yeah. not saying, Oh, the industry's whack. You're still saying I, I do want to be creative. So I'm going to be creative. What have yeah. I, you know, what else have I got about me? You know, how yeah. do I stand out from, from, from the rest, from the rest of the pack? It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we've kind of, kind of touched on it a little bit, but uh, what has been your personal journey to building uh, confidence in your skills as a creative? Well, as I say, I think doing the band work, doing the theatre work, doing a lot of low-level stuff that just being on the circuit, you know, like a stand-up would go out and just play play, play shows in the clubs. That, mm-hmm. That's what I've done as a musician and as an actor. Like, I've done a lot of fringe theatre. And as you well know, I've done a lot of um, working at places like Madame Two Swords as an actor or Alton Towers or, like, I would take any acting job I could get because I wanted to get paid for being an actor. Didn't matter what it was. As long <laughs> as I got to get up and act and play every day i didn't care awesome so i've been i've been a comedy caveman i've been a a ghost in a warwick castle i've done all these like really sort of entertaining jobs maybe rather than acting but definitely had a lot of fun met a lot of people made a lot of good friends got a lot of skills and a lot of confidence along the way and i think feedback a lot of people don't read their reviews a lot of people don't read their feedback but i i do like to and i will dwell on the ones that are negative but ignore the ones that are positive but the positive ones do matter as well um especially with the song i've just done it got so many positive words it just gave me so much encouragement to get back in the kitchen and make a whole album because obviously people are kind of digging that and i've done all right so let's let's that's given me the boost to carry on Mm -hmm. and i think throughout throughout the performing career whether it be acting or music it's always been that positive feedback after a show uh, that has spurred me on because it, that that that's the drug we look for really isn't it because right. that's the high <laughs> the nerves are awful that the especially when you're doing a play the worry that you're going to forget lines or something's going to go wrong you're relying on other people i did an ibsen play a little while ago and on opening night one of the girls had not learned her lines at all and i was terrified because oh i thought God. if she just <laughs> drops in the middle of a scene and doesn't give me a beat and i i can't think what her lines are for her to pick it up then i'm going to just be lost on that stuff. it was terrifying oh, but then oh after the show, you get through it i know i know and you get but you get through these things and then that the, that feeling of relief that feeling of achievement that feeling of the positive feedback the uh mm. that is all what gives you the confidence to move on to the next one really so it's it's been a case it's been a step-by-step case-by-case process every theater job i've done every theme park job i've done every gig i've played every little music video i've got on the internet recently they've all given me um enough comments enough people just clicking like enough people just sort of saying hey that's really cool or my favorite is when i surprise people like because how many mates of yours would say like oh yeah i'll make music or write songs and you're a bit like oh god yeah all right uh I'm sure it's very good because like, uh-huh. you hear it, especially when you're in the industry, you hear it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. come and see my 
play. I wrote it myself. It's about me growing up. And it, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to sit through four hours of monologue <laughs> about the hard streets of Dagenham. Here we go. But when you go to these things and you're actually like, my God, actually, like they've really actually put effort in and that, that's mm. actually really good. That's the bit of feedback I love when you've surprised someone, they've gone, Oh my God, like I've known you years. I had no idea you had this in you. Yeah. That is oh. just oh, brilliant because they're not, well, stay tuned. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you what yeah. else I've got kind of thing, you know? It's good that you, it's good that you look at it that way rather than like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You didn't think <laughs> I had it in me. <laughs> oh no, no, I love it. I love, I love people to underestimate me. I love, mm-hmm. There's nothing better, I think, because then you can turn around and just, they'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because otherwise, you got if, if if they expect you to be brilliant, then you've got the pressure. I like to come in as the underdog and and rise to the challenge rather than feel the pressure of having to maintain. Oh yeah, like you're not I, I kind of that. worthy to be there or something. Yeah. Mm. And I felt that after after Mystery Team did so big, and everyone's going, "When's the next song? When's the next song?" Making that next song was a real kind of oh my god. Yeah, like, right. I can't just like keep nailing like it might be all right but it might not be as much as you love that one or so i felt the pressure the difficult seconds mm-hmm. song yeah um, and a lot of people feel that when they make albums or tv shows second seasons and but i, I think that's kind of the reason behind uh, a lot of these successful successful bands and such where they might not produce an album for like four or five years and and you're like, what do you mean? You're in a, such a gifted position where you could you could hand a, a, a you know a piece of fecal matter rolled in glitter, and people will go, well, how much? How much is he? You know. And, and meanwhile, yeah, you think, how can, you, how can you sit there for five years, bro, and not produce anything? But I guess they got their reasons. You know, it's that kind of it's that pressure, like you say, but magnified, I guess. And if you think the first album anyone ever does is 10, 15 years of playing gigs and writing songs, and you've then got 10, 12 songs that are like proven over years and years and years, people like these ones. Like, so you've really honed that one uh, bit of creativity there, Mm -hmm. that album or that TV show, whatever it is. You've spent a lot of time on it. And then when you've hit it, immediately people want the next one. And that's when you've got to go, ah, right. So I've got got a year to sort of get all that experience into the next one and make it as good. And it rarely is. Uh, It rarely is, I find. Mm -hmm. With TV shows, albums, whatever it is, sequels to movies, it normally takes a dip for the second and then comes back up. They find their way again for the third. Right. So so on that note then, did you find... um what kind of stresses did you go through when you were you coming up with the the sweet spot you know did you how did you get exactly these stresses yeah like did you go outside and do something different did you try and like like a sportsman kind of put yourself in i'm gonna you know take three steps ocd style three steps to the left and to the right (laughs) that's what i did when i wrote that lyric like what did you what did you do it was was a it was a bit like that. It was really? a bit. I went back and looked at well, so because I really liked because I'm not great at the mixing part and the production part. So I went back and I looked at what reverb I had on that vocal, what what distortion I had Whoa. on that, what level of what how how loud was that in the mix? Because it came together and I 
don't know how a little bit it just kind of came together and it'd be like oh did I do that or did it is it just pure luck mm. and so I did go back a bit and think well, okay the level the, oh, I like this the volume levels and the and all the put together of that one so when I made the sweet spot I sort of tried to use that as a template but then worried that I was just trying to repeat the same thing again so then yes. I tried to play around with it a bit and try something new and I think definitely I've, I've just finished another song called bed hopping for the album and Awesome. Definitely every song I've done since February has got better in its production and its sound and its its finish. Um, so the album's going to be quite uneven. <laughs> it's going to be like stuff from February is kind of raw uh-huh. and the stuff at, like at the end of the year before the album drops is kind of like a bit smoother and a bit more a fuller sound, a bit more not, not professional, but, you know. Um, so it's been, yeah, that's been an interesting process trying to repeat the success, not trying to repeat the success of Mystery Team, because I knew that was a thing. I knew I wouldn't be able to put another one out and it would immediately get tens of thousands of views. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to get over a thousand because this time last year, if I'd put a song online, it'd have got 500 views, probably something like that. And that's a lot for me. I haven't got a big online presence. I haven't got a big network, really. I've got my friends I've met over the years, and that's my Facebook, really. So mm-hmm. putting something on there would be just friends I've known going like, oh, that's cool, mate. Or, <laughs> right. or I try and do a lot of silly sketches quite often. I don't know if you've ever seen me, but when I'm walking the dog, I do like these little characters to camera and like little sketches. And I've put them that's online cool. throughout lockdown as well. Just that's to cool. try to amuse people and have a laugh and like we're all in a terrible bloody situation so let's have some fun with it creating content uh, as we go um and it's always just a 300 500 people look at it so that once i've got that massive view if i can now every video can get a thousand views or two thousand i think sweet spots on three and a half well that's great like it's not the runaway success of the song previous but it's way better than anything i could have done before So what Mystery Team has done, it's got me an audience now. Like it's really grown my audience by a few thousand people. Mm -hmm. And I can hopefully use that to keep them engaged. um, To uh, When I put my album out, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try a Radiohead thing because I've got no work now. Um, My tour guiding, which I do for a day job, is cut off till April. They're not going to be coming back till April. April. Okay. I know. Okay, that's a good thing though. It kind of puts you in the, you know, in the mindset of, okay, I've got to get something else now. Exactly. I'm not happy. Hanging on, yeah, because I, I did it again from August until this lockdown, this lockdown too. So I've had a few weeks of going back to work and then it's locked down again. And they've said, we're just not going to bother till April, till the summer season starts again. And hopefully there will be one next year. Yes. So that's my wages out the window. They're doing the self-employed grants. Um, so my plan is to do like a Radiohead and release the album probably next week. And then oh, um, awesome. put uh, my PayPal me link and say... I'm not making any money from Spotify or Apple or anything. So if anyone wants to just pay what you like for the album, like yeah. if you want to support me, if you want to like keep me doing this and uh, I'll take all the money, I'll, I'll go into a studio and make a better album when all this is done. But you can donate what you like, 2p, 20 quid, whatever you want. PayPal me that. Go and get the album. I'll put it out everywhere. You like. If you want it emailed to you, I'll email it to you. It's on YouTube on a long video. It's going to be on Spotify, Apple, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But you don't make any money from any of those places. So I, I hopefully can make some Christmas money. Now I've got an audience by doing that. That's my plan. That's, so that's I what like I'm working it. on right now. It's finishing the album, getting it online and asking people to sort of 
donate to support me, I suppose. It's a bit cheeky. I'm not no, I don't I'm, being, think it I'm is. very English. So yeah. I don't like putting my cap in hand at all. No, I think that's and I remember absolutely I had a fine. conversation with you before. Once upon a time I had a conversation about you and your experiences in, in LA and mm-hmm. you saying that we're so terribly British because in LA you you just go in you and just you, go. You, you, you shake Yeah on hand you put yourself in front of them none of this oh i'm sorry to bother you britishness and that's always stuck in my head that conversation i had with you and i try and be more like that my britishness takes over too much but i'm <laughs> going to actually i'm going to put my cap in my hand and say look i'm out of work there's no acting there's no live gigs to make money there's no tour guiding that's all i do they're the three things i do gone give me a donation help me out sort me out and uh, here's here's some music that you might enjoy yeah look i think they will as well i think i think the folks out there you know it's uh, it's some great music that you you're putting together shay so you know obviously like a little mid uh, mid pitch here guys you do have to go check this out um and if you you know you could pause the <laughs> podcast right now go listen to some tracks over at uh, how do they how do they find these tracks shay how do they find them so you can find me on um YouTube, which is YouTube uh, forward slash Shea Watson, C-H-E-W-A-T-S-O-N. Um, if you could follow me on Twitter, which is at the Shea Watson, uh, Instagram at the Shea Watson and Facebook.com forward slash Shea Watson presents. Once again, C-H-E-W-A-T-S-O-N presents. Uh, any of those places, uh, go and You'll find the links to the songs. You'll find the news. Soundcloud.com as well. Uh, I'm on there. So just find me on Twitter or find me on Facebook, and you'll find it all from there. Nice, nice. We'll put the we'll put all of the stuff in the uh, in the the podcast as well. So if you're on your phone and that, you could you just press the old the hyperlink. But uh, it's it is great stuff. I I've really enjoyed uh, listening to to the tracks, both from Princip and uh, and your your Thanks, solo man. stuff. For Thank sure. you. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, now, uh, is it? And I'm looking forward to after lockdown. Get, yeah, getting some gigs. Getting sorry, some, I'm, I'm looking forward to some after gigs lockdown. Going. Yeah, getting, and I'll, I'll get an actual band together as well, and I'll front a new band, and it'll be all the songs I've done over lockdown. So I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of places saying I'll come to Scotland. Glasgow wants a gig from you, and so I'll probably try and do a bit of a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Awesome. Exclusive. This is an exclusive tour. <laughs> Shay Watson tour. Crazy. Bang. Love it. Love, love me some exclusives. Fantastic. So I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> find anything when I was like looking around to see that Princip was no more, but you kind of implied there that there's, there's no more Princip. What's going on there? Well, we've only done a couple of gigs in the last couple of years, really. Sort of every it's now and then. We'll down kind of thing. Itch. We'll get to the air. I mean, the boys have all gone on. Uh, a couple of them got kids now. Um, just growing up and uh, doing their own thing. Like our bassist, Anz, he's uh, a real entrepreneur and he's got a, a, a restaurant in Cheltenham and he's got a kid uh, and he's sort of just li- living his life, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if we said, like, we want to do a gig, everyone would come down for a couple of rehearsals and we'd do a gig. And we've done a lot of the Dublin Castle in Camden just sort of once or twice a year just to sort of get out and play and have a bit of fun and uh, reconnect. So I'll never say never. uh, If those boys give me a shout or uh, if we get bored, I'll certainly go and do a gig with them. But I think I want to do a bit more... um, Solo stuff, yes. Yeah, because I can can do more then. I might might ask the drummer, Gary, to come over and uh, drum for me from the last band Mm -hmm. and then we'll find another couple of musicians to play in the parts and uh, maybe just do it under the name Shay and Mm -hmm. uh, they'll Mm -hmm. be... 
they'll be my back they'll be my spiders from mars (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great dude i love that i love that yeah i mean you know it's a you've got yourself a gig though in the restaurant right there that's a that's a venue bang you know supported by princip and then you know shay supported by princip they could be the support act and it's a double header. So yeah, it's a yeah. Shea Watson double header. Yeah. I love that. Love that. So it's just the same band twice. Yeah. 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 We're just you just I'll like costumes. Yeah. Halfway through, you just say, "Okay, you lads, um, <clears throat> you know, can you just put on your, you know, put on your spaceman outfits and come back on?" I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Um, so I listened to your tracks, and um, Mystery Team kind of reminded me of like a Oasis and a Vinesy type you know, the Vines, Australian band. Um, Merry Go Round sort of was kind of madnessy, kind of Scar-esque. And then like Mona Lisa was kind of like Red Hot Chili Peppers. And, and then I feel like this, the latest one, The Sweet Spot, is kind of, it's your own, you know, your own kind of, I don't know, I can't liken that to anything really. What kind well, of, that's very what kind of bands influence you? Do you, do you hear those influences when you finish a track? Are you like, are you going for it? You know, when you do Mona Lisa, for example, were you like, I want to sing this like Anthony Kiedis, you know, were you actually, you know, aiming to kind of achieve that or did it just sort of, did these things kind of happen? I think uh, in terms of trying to sound like Anthony Kiedis, that is a thing I have done a lot in the past. Um, it, not something I'm trying to um, completely imitate, but certainly it's in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. There's been certain, t- like throughout my musical uh, writing career, it's always been, um, oh, I quite like that Kings of Leon song. I'd, li- I'd like to do one that sounds a bit like that kind of vibe All or right. that kind of rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um same with Queens of the Stone Age, same with Red Hot Chili Peppers, same with Foo Fighters. Um, I f- think they're the main sort of influences when I come to trying to sort of fit a vibe. Not necessarily trying to copy what they do. Um, Just borrow. But exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Bowie is my hero mm-hmm. um, and he borrowed from everywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, he was a trendsetter by doing it somehow, but he was only copying a lot of what other people were doing and putting it together. I think in one of the books, there's a great phrase that says like, um, talent borrows, genius steals or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm down for that. And I'm it's just like, that. don't be ashamed to say that you've taken that from there and that from there and fuse it together to make your own thing. Um, quite often I get to the ends, as you say, and look at it and gone, oh, that sounds a bit like that. And a few people said mystery team sounded like no one knows by Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, and I have, yeah. been, I have been listening to a lot of Queens of the Stone Age mm-hmm. over the past year, like a lot. There, I've been obsessed with them. Um, so that has obviously heavily influenced the probably loudness of the guitars and mm-hmm. a bit of the, the swagger in the drums, maybe. Um, but it's not really a conscious thing. Um, when I was with Princip, I was doing a lot of stuff that I wanted to sound a bit Chili Peppers because I do enjoy his half rap, half sing. Uh, when I'm yes. doing songwriting with the words, I like the words to fit the beat of the of the drum. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's definitely kind of, a thing I like to. Go yeah, on. I guess that kind of mirrors back to what you were saying earlier about being drawn into it through spoken word. Yeah, you exactly. Know, spoken, the poetry. Spoken word, yeah, the poetry element can be like that, can't it? You know. Uh, absolutely, and that's what I enjoy most about Chili Peppers. Like, can't stop that. The the, the the words in that song are the best thing about it because you've got a great beat, you've got a great little guitar riff and a bass riff, but 
it's the words that read instantly everyone's sort of gets in your head I love a hook I love an earworm and if I can write an earworm like I'm the happiest man in the world awesome stuck in your head so much and I find a beat a repetition I do keep things quite simple in my songwriting like I'm not really I'm not Tom Yorking it up I'm not like I like to write hooky catchy commercial radio friendly sort of stuff mm-hmm. with a bit of a heavier tinge to it and a bit more sort of a bit of a rock uh, vibe to it so that's why i love foo fighters dave Grohl, chili peppers because they all come from a heavier world and influences but they're very much now settled into a radio friendly commercial sound really um and that definitely does influence me but i quite often as you say i get to the end and i look back and i think okay that does sound like that <laughs> that same way i said about having the idea and then getting to the end and seeing how the end result compared to the original idea it's also comparing how the original idea for influence actually looks by the end like can you look back and go oh that does sound like the kind of kings of leon vibe i was going for or Mm -hmm. something like that Um, or if it's just completely changed throughout the recording process it might have started off trying to be blur and i've ended up sounding like loasis or something you know Mm -hmm. but um does that ever happen i I like the stuff like that does that ever happen Um, to you I don't hold on to it that much to notice, if I'm honest. So okay. I might approach something thinking, I want the lyrics to be a bit chilli peppers, but I will forget that quite quickly as I get into the writing and I get into the song, because I, I don't want to actually sound like anyone else. I mean, people have said I've sounded like Robbie Williams, Duran Duran, Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters. Like, there's a, a quite a broad range of acts there that people say I sound like, and that makes me happy, because if everyone just said, oh, you sound like Queens of the Stone Age, or, or you sound like Oasis, if that was mm. all I ever got, then I'd be worried. Be <laughs> yeah, all, uh, yeah. Just sounding like that. I mean, mm. there's some acts that still sound like the Beatles. Like, I'll hear, hear something, and they've got the certain vocal harmony on their track, and it just sounds like the Beatles. And so that, I don't think that's necessarily a great thing. It's okay to have the odd one song, maybe, but if you just sound like the Beatles, well, that's been done. So it was really nice mm. to hear from you just then that Sweet Spot sounded like my own thing. And that's great because I've just done bed hopping which is again a similar sound to sweet spot so i'm obviously finding kind of a finding a way through yeah yeah, all yeah. These years. yeah yeah and that's that's very interesting to me because i've never i've never known what my sound was mm-hmm. um, because i'm all about the writing originally on acoustic and just the words and the poetry that's all i really think about and i've never really gone into the production or the bigger i've not really played electric guitar before this year no and way. i haven't played the drums since i was 20 odd um, so this was all just working it out as I go. Like it's, it's, and I'm, I'm impressed with what I've got. Yeah. Out of it, I must say, cause yeah. I, like I said, I had a drum kit when I was 23, um, and I bought this electronic drum kit about a month before lockdown, Whoa. just cause I was like, let's buy one, let, let, let's get old one and let's see if we can remember how to play. And I've just like had a little practice on it. And like I say, electric guitar, I, I always play acoustic. I never play electric. So this mm. year I've got an electric guitar and I was like, well, let's try and record some songs in lockdown. Let's try and use all this stuff I've got. And um, it, it's been a journey. Like, it, I feel like I've been at it years now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's only since February, but it's really been honing my skills and my craft. It's like I've gone on a little sort of Buddhist retreat, like, a, <laughs> like, like, like some kind of <laughs> pilgrimage to the yeah. Shaolin Temple. <laughs> in my kitchen. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, you found your um, your happy place, I guess. Yeah, so hearing that I'm finding my sound out of all that is really interesting and really encouraging. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll keep 
doing that and I'll have a signature sound and I'll have a signature look and mm. that's all good for branding and getting out there for commercial success. So that's fantastic. Uh, I, I'm happy to hear that. Oh, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I was wondering, like, you know, you've spoken about kind of the feedback there of, of kind of receiving feedback and processing feedback. How do you how do you have the confidence in yourself to kind of not listen to say negative influences, you know, like how do you remain an individual as an artist uh, and not be, say I, I've said, oh, hey, Shay, I, I really like it when you do this. You should do more of that, you know, or I don't like it when you do this. You should do more of that. How do you have that confidence in your own self to be like, ah, listen, yeah, I appreciate that, Jason, but I'm going my own way. You know, how do you how do you process those kind of moments? I think I'd struggle with those kind of moments because like I say, I do tend to dwell on the negative feedback and that's being an insecure actor, I think. And having just that one thing that suddenly strips all the confidence away and becomes a little thing in your head, in the back of your head when mm. you're doing something. Like someone might say something off the cuff like that and it's not even that negative, but they might say like, I don't really like that. I prefer it when you do that. Mm. I'll probably end up never doing that thing ever again because one person said they didn't like it and that, and that's a ridiculous way to be. That is not the way to be at all. And that is something I've very much got to work on. And uh, not reading my own press is, is one of them. And maybe not. I, I had a friend who was just helping me out with social media and he was trying to get me to stay off it. And he'd just deal with it because I was getting a bit too influenced by a comment on like, so I, I post something and people would say, oh, no, I don't like that. Maybe do that. And <laughs> then I'd be like, oh, no, I hate it. Everyone hates me. Yeah. <laughs> I can get a bit silly and insecure like that. So I try not to take it too seriously. Um, but also, uh, I haven't had a lot of negative feedback. All the negative feedback is normally in my own head. I, I heard someone say, a stand-up comedian friend of mine the other day was saying, um, he was asked a similar question, actually, in a situation. like, what, what, How do you deal with negative feedback or hecklers or things like that? And he says... No one hates me as much as I hate myself. <laughs> so I don't care. <laughs> it's like you can come at me with whatever. I don't worry. I've already thought it. Like, yes. however shit you could say I am, I think I'm worse. Yeah. I have said everything that you could possibly come up with. So what you say doesn't bother me. And I kind of think that's a great attitude to have. Yes. It's, uh, it's it is. It of, is. It's strong. I am, I am my biggest critic. <laughs> so I don't think anything anyone else says would not be something I haven't thought of myself already. Mm -hmm. Obviously, someone could hit that nerve. If you've got something you really like, if I think my singing's terrible, and then someone says, oh, I don't think your singing's very good, then that would be very, oh, my God. It would be like a shock <laughs> with the heart, because, oh, no, it's okay for me to think it. Don't yeah. agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. supposed to say, no, no, you're fantastic. Yeah, but, exactly, uh, yeah. Just prop me up. And prop I, me do up. Have, I do have a lot of insecurities in my music, because I don't think I'm the best singer, I don't think I'm the best musician. I don't think I'm the best producer, but I do really believe in my songwriting and the mm. acts that I like, like I'm a big fan of Bright Eyes. I don't know if you know him, um, Connor Reverse. He's got no, no, no. a really interesting voice. I think of like Leonard Cohen, I think of Bob Dylan, like they're not good singers, but they've got something interesting in the character of their voice and in their writing doesn't matter if they're a good singer or not so mm. that's kind of where i come from like if you're worried about oh i'm not that good at that bit or i'm not that it doesn't matter because you are good at one like my songs i enjoy writing i think they're good and i think people would like them if they heard them 
And so that's what gives me the confidence to carry on doing the singing and the and the putting the doing the guitaring, which again, I don't think I'm very good at either, but I think I can just about get away with it and the strength of the the writing that I believe in will carry it all through. Mm -hmm. So that's how I deal with the self-doubt, um, let alone the negative comments. Like the, any negative comments would just be hitting upon my own self-doubt. So yeah. that's how I deal with it, really. It kind of, I like that. It kind of reminds me of a, a girl I used to see where she said, um, she said, oh, Jason, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not attractive. I just, uh, you know, if you actually look at my individual features, <laughs> there, there's not really a whole lot going on. I don't really have stuff going on. But when you put it all together, it just works, Chase. It just works. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. I mean, I find you attractive, but okay. She spent a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> but she's... The better as long yeah. as she's happy as long as she's got herself to a place where she can move forward happily that yeah. i'm not going to question it you yeah. know like yeah. it makes sense if it makes sense for you and, and you can carry on with some confidence great yeah exactly um, right so it, it, that, that's the human experience isn't it it's coming yeah. to terms with our own and getting through it yeah just getting through it exactly having that resilience um we've just got to move through these questions uh, how how long do i have you for shay however long you want okay all right cool um because we've got some we've got some kind of quick fire uh audience questions and then i obviously have some of some of my own that, that i want to ask you obviously uh, <laughs> um so uh what uh, what, actually, what actually keeps you motivated to keep on creating my own ego probably is the answer right um, I, I am my I am my biggest fan. Like every now and then I will sit and I've got a collection of all the songs I've ever made, whether it be on an iPhone app four track recorder or whatever. Like I've managed to record some stuff over the years to different levels of um, quality and I love sitting and listening to it and, and that motivates me. Or hearing something else as well. Other things influence me very much. Like I might hear a song on the radio like I listen to the radio. I don't listen. To, I'm too old to listen to modern music, but I might hear a song somewhere and I'll be like, Ooh, like it just has that je ne sais quoi. That's something mm. in it that inspires me to be like, Ooh, whether it be a, a rhythm or uh, just, just that, like I say, je ne sais quoi, that, that untangible thing that just makes you go, Ooh, quite often a musician might say to you, they hear a song and they think I could have written that. That's a bloody good song, but it's just the kind of thing I would have written. I wish I'd have written that song. Green Day, uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. To me. Mm -hmm. like I, I, that's just the kind of song I would have written around that time. And I'm like, ah, like they, <laughs> I was that close and you beat me to it. And so that, that would inspire me to go and try and, and write something like that. Um, so, so, yeah, it's kind that, of that, finding, that's the motivation. It's, it's like finding familiarity in, in the work of other people. And that's what drives you, is it? Yeah, that definitely. Kind of... or, or just something like the just you hear something or you see something on TV that just hits you. And I can't explain why, but it just does like, Oh, that's my jab. Mm. And then that will inspire me to go and, and start making again. Or yeah, it, it's the influence of other good work that makes me want to go and work. Mm. Definitely. That is a motivator. And also, like yeah. Yeah. And also <laughs> listening to my own stuff and going, oh, I've got to make more. I've got to keep writing because I go through swaths of time where I don't actually do anything. And, I find the initial motivation to start working on music or even probably like writing a screenplay or something would be the same. But it's that initial motivation that I find hard mm. because I know once I start, I'm going to 
I'm going to go a bit mad. I'm going to like get frustrated. It's a whole journey of frustration and hard work and late nights and obsession. And sometimes I find it hard to want to take the first step into that because that's the rest of my week going to be like that then. Whereas I could just have a nice, happy, calm, relaxed week <laughs> and leave it. Mm. So that, that's the motivation I find the hardest, that first step, that first right, let's go. Because once I start, I'm away. That's it, you're away. Yeah, you're on the track. That's it, and I get thing. lost you're firing. in it. But, mm. but I, yeah, I mean, last night I went to bed at half four in the morning because I was oh. just obsessed in over tweaking that face down, tweaking this to put that up a little bit. Just all these little minutiae that you have to comb through mm-hmm. every track on your on your studio. Um, I, you know, I love that though. So I, I do find love like it. you find I love the end product. Yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like you find a kind of, it's like finding your flow, isn't it? You get so so into it that you might look at the clock and be like, it's midnight. And then look again, it's like three o'clock and you're like, bloody hell. Yeah. But then actually yeah. the next day, you know, as much as your future self won't thank you for the fact that you're really tired, your future self does thank <laughs> yeah. you in, in the fact that you have a product now. You have something that you were yeah. further on with than before. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and just and that's the best way to do it, I think. Especially when I'm mixing, is just spend a little bit of time on it without making a big deal about it. Just I'm here now. I'll pick that up, have a little go of it, and then because then it's happening without me having to sit and do it. And I imagine writers like you've written a screenplay. I imagine that is the biggest thing for a writer is just to sit at the bloody keyboard and make a start. Because I'm sure once you get the flow, the ideas come in. I'm sure that happens, but that's what I can imagine. I've seen a lot of writers on Twitter do this, procrastinating around the keyboard. Yes. I was going to say typewriter, but it's yeah. a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> around, the, around the key, like just that, just making a start, getting that first page going. And it, I find it the same with music. It's just that, come on, let's, let's do it. Because I know I love it once to start, but it seems like a mountain in front of you when you haven't mm-hmm. got anything going. Like You haven't even laid down any tracks yet or you haven't even begun yeah off we go i know i'm going to be obsessed and frustrated for a week but let's do it let's do it have you found the more the more i do it the more i enjoy it yeah have you found like there's a a commonality with any kind of technique to as in an athlete is on the starting blocks the gun fires and they're going they know if they don't keep on running they're out of the race you know a um a a motivational speaker might you know jump on the spot five or six times do some star jumps have you found there's any kind of commonality with that step to get you into that place of uh starting to create i think once we, i think once my drums are done then i'm locked in because I, mm. I find that the because that's the instrument i've played least in so many years once i've got that started then then i'm away because then you've got your solid ground and then I can, I, I don't play bass. I program my bass um, through the garage band. So then that's the, then that's the rhythm section done. So then it's all just overdubs of guitars and vocals and, and from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so it's just getting the drum kit turned on, working it out, getting the right beats, getting the right rhythm. Cause I'll make a lot of mistakes. I'll, I'll have to copy and paste and edit, edit it together in the, in the mix later on. So it, it's, it's the process um, rather than any kind of um, mental motivation. Um, what I've had the enjoyment of this year is what an old professional musician has enjoyed. Who's at the top of their game where they get to go into a studio without anything prepared. 
and you can mm. experiment you can write whilst you're in the studio so you can just lay a drum track down and say, oh i like that beat let's try this on top of it or how does that little riff sound? whereas when you're a a poor musician in London gigging around in your band, then you have to afford to go and buy studio time and it's quite expensive. So you haven't got time to really play around when you're in the studio. Mm. You've got to know exactly what you're going in and you've got to use that time wisely. Like I've got an hour to do six songs and all the vocals and the backing vocals. So there's no trying this and trying that. There's yeah, get that one done and move on to the next mm-hmm. to do. Exactly. Because I've only got so much money to spend on that. At the studio so having now the setup at home that isn't a studio i'll give you that but it has given me that experience of uh, like david bowie would spend months in a swedish or a german recording studio experimenting with different styles and sounds and do because he was i mean he god knows he did all sorts of experimenting in recording with uh, the oblique strategy cards and all this other stuff i won't go into it but so that's what has motivated me this year is that I've actually had a chance to, because it's having the material that is the, you have to have something to record, of course. You have to, and so it's the writing that in this day and age, I've only written sort of, let me think, I'm jumping all over the place here. No, you're good. You're good. I've I've written a few songs for the album, but most of them end up being about lockdown or sort of something like that. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, you have to have the uh, the right material to then start. And if you've got like a writer around the typewriter again, trying to write a script, you have to have that jumping off point. You have to have that idea. And if I haven't um, got an idea for a song, I find I'm sort of looking for my old ones, trying that out, seeing if it works. And it's not very motivating rather than if you've just written a song or you're just finding something in the studio and it's giving you that spark suddenly. OK, right, we've got something. We're off. Mm-hmm. Um, so less than less than a, a runner on the blocks or something. I'd more describe it to a fisherman um, sitting on the riverbank for hours, and then all of a sudden you get that tug, and oh, that that's when the action starts. <laughs> then you're away. Bob Mortimer's next to you, falling down the hill, and you're getting <laughs> like you, yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah, you kind yeah. of just um, so you, uh, a lot of it is waiting for that spark or trying to force that spark of creativity to come to get the material to then go and motivate yourself mm. to start. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I've had a few songs in the back pocket that I've always wanted to record and rework and get out there. So I've had, I've had that motivation at the moment. Um, I wonder after I've put an album out, what I'm going to be doing. Like if we're still going to be kind of um, in some kind of tier of lockdown post Christmas. Well, I've already spent a year recording an album. Am I, am I going to go back and do the second one? Do, or I'll be interested to see what I suddenly find myself disc doing two, in January. Album. <laughs> this team, this team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Shay Watson White album. Come on. Concept. That's the next one. I've always actually. This is from left field. I've always wanted to write Die Hard the musical. Oh. Because I think it would be good. Yeah. I think. I mean, it writes itself, doesn't it? There's so it's many like, song titles like Yippee Kaye and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Takagi. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's all in my head. I mean, I think Promise. you should do it. You know, even if that it means be, that might be. Come on, I mean, there's there, you. You answered your own question. What do I do if we go into lockdown again after Christmas? There it is. I think I might be doing Die Hard the Musical. Right. I think I might. I'm gonna film it in my house with yeah. a vest. Yeah. And uh, so, if I do Die Hard the Musical, it'll be like that. It'll be just a real world. Yeah, I'll do it. I might do it. No <laughs> might. No might. Do. All right. 
<laughs> all right, all right, okay. All right. You know, I mean, Tim you Minchin did. did uh, he he switched and did um, Matilda, didn't he? The musical, and then he, he kind did. of didn't look back after that. So yeah, yeah, that's you know? funny. Yeah, I did. I loved his stuff, his stand-up stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need to practice some comedy songs. Although Mystery Team's quite a comedy song, isn't it? Really, most people think it was about some yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people thought it was written about really, TV. really. I was like, yeah, okay, if that's what you think, yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, I think you know you're having a lot of fun in these tracks, and um, and I think that shines through. You know, not taking yourself too seriously, but then you're yeah. you're turning on the charm as well. You know, you obviously kind of you know you're you're a leading man kind of look to you. So it it's great that you kind of you show that side. And then you also show your goofy side as well. I think that's that I think resonates I'm, I think with people. I'm thinking I'm losing that leading man look. Over no, lockdown no, now, I don't I? think so. I don't think so. I uh, I showed uh, showed somebody uh, your your picture the other day to say that you were coming on the podcast, and they were like, "Oh, he's very <laughs> nice." Oh. <laughs> Was it George Takai? <laughs> oh god that's brilliant as a creative what do you find to be the most fulfilling singer songwriter or actor i've kind of given you a little bit of a you know a little bit of a crutch by saying singer songwriter you know so that you know you don't have to choose between three it's more just you know the music or you can even say you can even say music and acting Yeah. yeah yeah music Music. Uh, it's a singer-songwriter. It, it, it is, yeah. And as, as I say as well, especially as I get older, it's definitely something I more enjoy because I'm in complete autonomous control of what I'm doing. I'm not relying on someone else uh, taking a shine and giving me a break. And like I say, most of the acting work I get that pays, like the theatre stuff's great, but it doesn't really pay. Like I, I've done a lot of Ibsen fringe stuff in London. Mm-hmm. And it's profit share, maybe a little slightly bit more than profit share. So I love doing it. I love spending the rehearsal, exploring it all. Um, I've done some amazing stuff for Ibsen. I've, I was in the first English language version of one of his plays, Lady Inga. Um, we've also done a couple of other record-breaking runs of some of his other plays. And we, we've got our names in the Norwegian library for this. Like, So we, awesome. I've done a lot of sort of really earthy, great, interesting theatre, but it doesn't pay. And the TV and movie stuff I've done, um, because I'm only at a certain level, it is just stand there, shut up, say a line if you get a line. But, you know, like it, right, it's, yeah, it's, we touched on this. It yeah. almost feels mm. like extra work. And so mm. that doesn't get me excited. It, it doesn't. Because, I mean, if I could do stuff that Leo's doing, then great. Like, I might be excited about it. But I'm not there. And looking realistically, it doesn't look like I'm going to get there. I mean, who knows what happens in the future, but the more um, TV stuff I do, I I do enjoy being on set and I enjoy the experience of it all, but the actual product of what you get at the end and just sort of being used, as I said earlier, you're kind of just a prop on a TV set. It's just, you're not really considered in the process. And so that's, taking the shine off acting a little bit for me i need to go and do some theater again and get the love back for it i suppose um but i've much more got um a lot more out of music over the last mm-hmm. few years so i do look forward to our next bit of acting but for now music is what's given me all the uh, the joy nice. absolutely nice love it i love to see an artist kind of finding their their element as well you know when mm. you because it's like i feel 
the, the kind of the COVID is, is almost, it's forced your hand to kind of uh, mm-hmm. make a decision. Now, you could have equally been sat at home, created some sketches, you know, done some things. I have got a film in Bulgaria next year that's going to be a week's filming in Bulgaria. So we'll see how the COVID for that is going to be. You could be Bulgarian. Or something by then. I, could, I could see a bit I of the Bulgarian be... in you. Yeah, I could see that. A little bit of Eastern European. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, now we are on to our listeners' questions, okay? Listeners' questions. All right, the first one up is, can you explain all the stages when it comes to creating a song? So, my my Dear headlights, what? My stages um, are, have a cup of tea, Uh get your acoustic guitar, Mm -hmm. see what sounds nice. Start to do a little melody over the top of it. Ooh. Once you've got that, you've got yourself a song. You, you've written a you've written a verse melody. You've written a, a chorus melody. You've maybe written a bridge or a middle eight to link it. Uh, so then I'll record that down as my guide track. Then I'll add drums. I'll add bass. I'll add guitars, and all improvising as I go. Little ideas of rhythms in my head, but improvising as I go. Uh, record the vocal and again improvise improvise all the way through the process improvise some harmonies improvise some little lead guitar whatever um but get your bones right that's the main thing get your get bones. On, on the, for me it might it might be for an acoustic guitar it might be for piano whatever your thing is but get the bones of it get the basic melody get the basic um chord structure uh on guitar or piano or whatever you play that for me is, is where it starts and then you just that's as i say the bones and then you build out from there nice improvising as you go experimenting as you go and see what you end up with fantastic fantastic um most memorable moment of your uh songwriting song career to date well, it's got to be mystery tea. I mean, it's got to yeah, be really. mystery tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had I've had some good moments over the years, but I think this one, having it played so much on radio stations, um, having so many people get hold of it, play it, constantly messaging and commenting on on my social medias to say they love it. That was a <laughs> awesome. hell of a journey. I I, I had a week, uh, and I, I, I was I was doing little day trips out and about actually when i dropped it because uh, again i didn't think it was going to do anything so i dropped mystery team and then i was like going to hastings for a day out and i went mm-hmm. to bath for a day out and all that week i was doing little trips here and there and uh, my phone was just exploding and going off every nice. two seconds and like it, it was great it was very distracting from what i was supposed to be doing but it was also lovely to get that kind of constant Mm. see see the views ticking up see all the comments flooding in all the hearts all that like it was great it was great um so that is absolutely and it isn't it lovely that a recent highlight is the highlight yeah of i love that the journey love that. so far it's like three weeks ago or something isn't that it just shows me that, <laughs> exactly yes yeah like a couple of months yeah it's 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 unbelievable so um so that's really encouraging that mm-hmm. it's so recent. It's not like if, I think if my highlight was twenty years ago, I'd be pretty <laughs> yeah. depressed about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you, uh, I think you answered that one very well, actually. Yeah, I'm glad, I loved I'm glad it was a recent one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, the next one: How do you get paid as a songwriter or as an as an artist? How do you get paid? Is their well, question. 
Is as like, I say, you don't make it, a lot of money from uh, Spotify, Apple. I, I distribute. I've tried distri uh, distributing to these stores through a couple of options online, and you never get a lot of money. It's like point zero 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 two p for every yeah, I heard about stream. That. Yeah, yeah, because, it's kind of crazy. I mean, in the old days, people would buy a, people would buy a tenner for a CD in the old days, and then when it went to downloads on like iTunes, what you pay eight quid, seven ninety nine for an album. But now it's streaming, and I myself do it. I've got Apple Music, so I pay a tenner a month, maybe not even that, five quid a month. And you can listen to all the music from any artist in the world for as long as you like. But that means that act isn't getting much money. So the mm. only money in music now is live shows, live, live shows. performances, which mm -hmm. is why festivals and all them live shows are so big these days. Every aspect of the industry is working out ways of trying to make money. I mean, you look at the movie industry, they're kind of, shall we just put it on the streaming service that we get people? And that's the same thing music had. Like we were paying for albums the same way that we were paying for the cinema, but now it's going to have to move on to the streaming service. It's going to be interesting to see how the movie and TV industry changes if it's going to be the same, because there's no live aspect for them the way there is with music. So it's very interesting to see how people are going to be making money out of movies and TV going forward, because the model for music took it to the live performance to make the money, because there's mm. no money in sales anymore. So um, it, it's it's something to look at, definitely. Uh, if you're looking to make a living in music, it, it's something to keep an eye on because the world is in flux at the moment and it has been since the internet came about. So working out however you can make money through merch for your act and T-shirts, uh, through selling CDs at live gigs. But during lockdown and quarantine, how can you make money for your band? And for me, it's going to be asking for donations towards the album. What is the hardest song to write? Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah, you reckon that that's, that is just a... The <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, I imagine, would be a nightmare, mm. yeah. Um, Things with, I, like, I lots of know, multiple really, layers and different styles within them. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that, because... It's um, an interesting for me, question, I, I isn't it, that one? It's a, it, it is an interesting it question. Is, it, it depends what you depends what genre you're talking, I suppose. It depends what, um, what you're going for. But for me, I go... I always recognize the music I enjoy. Like I said earlier, when you hear a song and you think, oh, that's got something about it. I really like that. It's really hooky. It gets in my head. Oh, what a great song. When I have that experience, normally when I then go to look up to play, like I'll, maybe I want to cover the song on the acoustic myself. And normally, normally nine times out of 10, it's a very simple song of like three chords. And I'm always amazed yeah. at how the best songs for me are always so simple. And that is always something I approach my songwriting with. Like, I don't try and get too complicated. Um, I, I'm, as I say, I'm not an accomplished musician. I'm more of a poet and I've got a bit of rhythm and I can play guitar. So I string all that together. And I've got friends who can score orchestras and they would, and I've got another friend who, who can um, do opera and, and they kind of look down their nose and dismiss me a little bit. <laughs> and, well, you're not, you're not really a musician. Are you? And I, I am the first, I am the right. first to agree with them because right. they are talking Mozart and things like that. Um, but I, I'm happy doing my thing and I'm, I'm very aware that I write simple stuff. Like it is just simple friend, ear friendly stuff. And I don't try and get too complicated with it. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't really struggle because I, don't, I keep it simple. That would be my answer. Mm, nice. uh, I, don't, I don't find anything that hard to approach, really. Um, maybe just ability-wise. Like oh, the other day I was trying to get something right on the drums and it took me 
take after take after take just because I'm, I'm trying to get that right rhythm, that right little fill or whatever. Um, and it's just a skill thing for me is it, the tough thing. It, it's uh, my skill level is only a certain point and using that and trying to make it sound better and get it right is the challenge but it's a fun challenge and i'm mm-hmm. learning as we go mm-hmm. no nice yeah i think it, what you said there kind of reminds me of that that whole idea of you know you can you have a best selling author you don't have a best writing author you know so with mm. regard to your kind of opera singing uh, musician friends they they are the equivalent of the best writing author but it's the best selling author that that kind of is the known is the known person yeah you know? Yeah, definitely. It doesn't say that, does it? No book says best writing or best writing author. They might have <laughs> You're won, right. Yeah. They might have won a prize, like the Booker Prize, or you know something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it never says yeah. best writing author. That's always it, um, it's just not as catchy. It reminds me of extras with Ricky Gervais when his agent. I think it's in the very last episode, and he's Spoiler always alert. been trying to sort of. <laughs> 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 he says in the last episode, uh, he says, "Look, do you want to be famous?" Or do you want to be artistically appreciated? Because there's only a couple of people in the world that get to be both. Mm. And I think that's in acting, in music, you have to make that decision at some point. I certainly did before doing Hollyoaks. I had to decide whether I was going to just take any work and just try and work, or if I was going to be an artist and hold out. And Because um, you've got to decide if you want to make a living or if you just want to be poor and stick to your mark. like it's a choice every creative has to ask themselves mm-hmm. at one point in their career i think and i made the decision a while ago to um to happily sell out <laughs> not be too uh, proud For listeners or, or, out there he said that with a smile on his face <laughs> with a cheshire cat grin <laughs> oh dear that was but again great. it comes to being a realist doesn't it it comes it comes to uh, can, can i be up my like and think of myself as an artist or can i just be a realist and realize that i have to compromise if i want to if i want to work in the industry and you have mm-hmm. to take that job for the money to get you through that day or whatever and uh, as a musician i'm certainly haven't got any snobbery about me either I, I i do my thing and hopefully people like it but i certainly um yeah, I certainly like to keep it simple. Any tips for people that want to become songwriters? Um, I mean, they can listen to the interview, guitar. really, you know. <laughs> there's, yeah, plenty, yeah. there's plenty of tips uh, within say, it, but carry on. I'd, I'd say teach yourself I'd say teach yourself guitar. Um, it was the simplest thing I ever did. And it was it, once you get the bug, it's something that you'll always enjoy having, even if you don't, don't end up songwriting or anything. I think it's always something that when you're at a party, you can pick out. The... I'll tell you what, a little story. When I was in Turkey, there was a guy who ran a little restaurant called The Little House. And it was basically him and his wife's house. And it had room for two tables in it and one okay. on a balcony. And you booked it weeks in advance because it was on TripAdvisor. People knew about it. So we went there on holiday, had a lovely little meal at this place. And they was, it was home cooked and they were really lovely. And it was, it was a real personal sort of experience. At the end of the holiday, we were walking past and uh, we'd had this bit of like origami made at another restaurant by one of the waiters. He was doing magic tricks and it was uh, it was like a flower. And we were like, oh, well, let's drop that off to the lady from the little house and the guy. It's like a little thank you. You were our favorite place on the holiday. So we went there, dropped it off and he was like, come in. Uh, we were just closing up, but we were nice to see you back. And he brought us in and he... And he chatted to us when we were there before. So he was like, you play guitar, right? And he got a guitar off the wall and gave it to me. And he was like, come play, play. 
So I'm in this country where language was a bit of a barrier, but it was all about just enjoying each other and getting the music out and me playing something like just had a laugh into the wee small hours talking about like as well as we could because they were pretty Turkish, but talking about um, music and art and, and love and life and and it was just fantastic. So just having that ability to play a couple of chords on guitar gave me this amazing experience in a different country mm. with this other family that I always think like, so if, if everyone just plays guitar, there's always a situation where you can make that a more interesting experience. This sounds so stupid. I know. No, no, it I'm isn't, hearing myself it isn't. talk. It but, isn't. but if you want to start songwriting, I'd say piano is really hard. I've not tried it myself. I wish to at some point learn piano, but I taught myself guitar. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. And once you've got a couple of chords under your belt, start stringing them together and start humming something above it and seeing what you can come up with. Um, in terms of words, just um i don't know what to advise i find it just spills out of me i just i do whatever and then tweak it how i like it so i never really put that much thought into uh, the approach of it um i'm sure everyone has words inside them that they'd like to get out and, mm, um, yeah just finding your finding your dream voice. journal mm. just, yeah dream journal. much like a comedian as well mm. much like a comedian like keep 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 a pad with you at all times or i use my notes on my phone um anytime you get like a little idea just write it down because later on, when you want to sit down and write something, you can go back and scour over that. Yes. And one of them will be the spark of inspiration that, that gives you a whole story or a whole song or whatever you write it. So uh, just get your ideas down and, and try and um, try and try remember to constantly write an idea when it pops in your head. I, I think every writer has always said that. Every comedian I've ever heard has said that um, it, when they do that. Um, because you'll think of something great at 2 a.m. that you won't remember in the morning. Mm. So get it down and then you can look back over. I've got books and books of uh, stuff that's written on old bills and scripts. From, <laughs> I can literally see the story of my life like a yeah. museum from the paperwork <laughs> that my lyrics are written on in this book. Yeah. But I'll, I'll still go back to it and I'll, I'll look at something I wrote when I was 20 and I'll be like, oh, that wasn't bad, actually. I'll tweet that and that'll be the germ of an idea. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my inspiration. That, that, that's my advice. I mean, that, yeah, that could be a pretty cool idea for when you write your memoir or write your, um, write your biography. You know, you could, uh, you could have it on like the back, the pages are designed so that they look like faded out, like letters and banknotes and things. And then they have the words <laughs> on the top of them, <laughs> you know, so it just looks like this scrapbook of, of items. I know? always find looking at like, Kirk has got a book out like that. And there's like his notebook you can buy and it's all his just little doodles oh, right. and little lyric ideas. And I find that more fascinating than if he'd have written an autobiography because mm. them little sketches and doodles and ideas, they're kind of a window into someone's process and mind. And I'm sure serial killers have similar books as well, but yeah. <laughs> like the Zodiac or something, but the, like yeah. so many walks of life, you could, I find that more interesting than actually reading a, a, a autobiography. It's actually looking at their notes and how they worked in the moment. I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. So, um, you joke but it's not actually a bad idea yeah <laughs> yeah 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 definitely yeah. you know there's there's something in that isn't there yeah like being able to the the insight that you could gain from looking and observing somebody's process more so than just reading about the life that they've that they've had because you could absolutely you know it's like you're seeing we talked earlier about kind of borrowing ideas versus stealing ideas you know and 
you could borrow a lot of that process just by looking at somebody's process. You know, it could take your, your process off on another fork, you know, and then you can again, come back David to David Bowie, bringing it back to David Bowie again, as I always will. Um, he did that very thing. I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the writer, very famous writer like Bernard Shaw or something like that. But he had the cut-up technique, and I'm sure you've heard about Bowie did this, where he'd write a song, and then he'd cut up bits of it, so he'd have strips of words, and he'd put it on the floor, and then he'd rearrange it, and then that's how he wrote most of the Diamond Dogs album and some of the other albums he did. So he has a song, and then he cuts it up and puts it all in different places to make a new meaning and a new sort of uh, song. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's the first time I've ever heard that. It was a a process. Yeah, it was a process... It was a process he'd stolen from another famous old writer. Um, I think it was George Bernard Shaw, something like that. I, uh, but yeah, so um, again, like you that. can borrow processes as well as vibes and ideas, mm-hmm. like you say. Yeah. I wonder if you could do a load of poems or a load of songs and then just take the odd line or two from a collection of your songs and then make a brand new song. You know, that might be quite cool. That's a good idea. Like, That's a great That's a great creative process i've got another writer friend um again david bowie did another technique with brian eno uh, when they were doing the heroes album and a few others in germany where he had oblique strategy cards i mentioned the brief you earlier. mentioned this earlier right but, yeah yeah so basically then it'd be like a, a card he'd have a bunch of them and if he's got his guitarist in the booth he'd okay. say okay and he'd pull out one of the cards and it would say something like Imagine you are running a 50s diner on Mars and you are the band. Oh, and he's ding, and that's, ding. that's what they had to have in his head Whoa. when he was playing these chords. Mm. So they wouldn't give them the song. They'd give them some chords to play and like a, a, a card with a thing on it. Like imagine you are in Egypt mm. in 1950 exploring the tombs. Also, it was another random weird stuff like that. And then they would take those bits of music that were played and cut them, paste them together to make the final songs. Um, and my friend, who's a writer, he wrote with other people a Doctor Who storybook that was similar. And it was a bleak, no, it was called Who Bleak Strategies, the book was. <laughs> and it was uh, based on the way they wrote the David Bowie albums. They wrote Doctor Who stories in the same way where they got given, I don't know how they did it, but they got given certain ideas to work, parameters mm. to work in. And each writer wrote a little bit and then they put it all together. So um, another great way that, that processes yeah, can be interesting and out of left field. And it doesn't have to be just sit and follow what the bog standard is. And I find that in any creative thing. I don't like doing what should be done like if you were to go and make a film and someone said well no it has to be like this and you have to start with this kind of scene and then you have to have the credits and then you have to have that you who would want to do it that way that's the way that it's done okay but no one ever blazed a trail doing what was already Mm -hmm. done they found a new way of doing it an interesting angle on the established way of doing things yeah same and that's why people like david bowie Mm. Exactly. And that's why people like David Bowie, Quentin Tarantino, um, Charlie Chaplin, all these people throughout history who have done that and sort of thrown away the rule book and gone, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. if you like it, great. Um, That's very much how I would like to continue Mm -hmm. approaching my creative outlets every day of the week yeah, yeah. i think that's i think that's really uh, really strong really powerful advice as well like you um you do need to if you want to stand out if you want to kind of find that fulfillment you don't want to be copying people you know you want to be making your work your own mm. you know big time big time 
And someone then, once said to me, it's like, it's like, someone once said to me, imagine it's like a brick wall and someone will find their way through that brick wall to the other side, which is making it. But then that whole people are aware of it then. And so they will cover it up and they will brand it and they will put a price tag on that hole. So if you want to go through that hole, it's you're not going to get what the first person got. You're going to get the watered down version. You, you may have got to make your own hole through that wall. So I thought, it's not, I, I, I but, the it out of you. but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, <Like>, absolutely. <laughs> once, once that person gets through that, that wall, it gets papered up. And you've got to find a new way of getting through that wall, mm. and and that, that that imagery often sticks with me when I think about this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that is it's a good image. It's a good image to have as well. It's a good, uh, it's like that's process, isn't it? Yeah, that's like making it making it your own. Make your own hole, then other people will be following in your footsteps. Then I think I think if you want to make it, you've got to go go your own way. Hmm. I do ramble, don't I? No, it's good. It's good. I mean, I, I'm kind of seeing. I'm kind of seeing the the birth of the you know your record label. You know, at the same time, you know, it could be. You know, okay. that's where that could move to, isn't it? It's like actually on that note. You know, yeah. bang! I'm going to make my own. You know, let's say a 60 year old, 70 year old Shea Watson, and he has his record company now. You know, perhaps you never know, right? You never know. <laughs> I suppose I suppose I've already got one. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I guess I've already, have, yeah. having released yeah. three singles now. I, I, they, I think it was called Shea. They asked Shea Records. I think if you look on Apple, I think that's what it says. So I guess I have got. I guess there I you have. go. There you go. Now you just need to sign some more artists. So now I, I, I Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Give me a call out there if anyone would like to be uh, released through Shea Records. Give me a call. There you go. Bang. Love it. Um, so, <laughs> love that. Um, let's see. Next on here, we've covered kind of writer's block, I think. Like, the question was, how do you, how often do you get writer's block? But I feel like you're, you've kind of discussed a lot of the processes that are kind of out there from favorite artists. So, do you, like, other than, we've, we've spoken a little bit about not producing enough you know, like feeling like at times you have those mm. moments where you don't produce enough, but I don't get the impression from you that that's because of writer's block. I just feel like it's maybe you don't feel as productive as usual. Yeah. It's a motivation thing for me more than writer's block. Um, cause I never sit down to write a song or not often I will do that. Uh, it's more just wait for it to come. Like it sounds stupid, but that, that is how I work. I kind of just wait for, it, it, it sounds ridiculous when I say this, but it's almost like you're channeling something rather than it's coming from you. Like just sometimes you'll just get an idea and it'll just come out. And I find if I haven't written a song in three minutes then I have to leave it and walk away. Like I, I don't like spending too much time on stuff. Um, I, I just like it to flow out. Um, and improvising is a big part of that for me. Um, when I'm working with a band, I'll get them to improvise something in the studio and I will just improvise something over the top lyric wise and record it as mm. I do it. So then later on I can go and listen to it and go, well, that was quite nice and build that out from there or put some words to that little bit you did, or maybe even some of the words I've improvised will become part of the, the, the jumping off point for the final song. So, um, I, I do find collaborating with others is easier to get over writer's block. I find if I can uh, work with, uh, another musician who's playing a guitar bit or piano, 
and I'm I'm freed up a bit more just to sit and get in my head and work something out for it. Um, yeah, I don't think I really do get writer's block. And if I do, it's just because I'm not doing anything. I, I find it harder to motivate myself to start writing rather than actually getting a block while I'm writing. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've never experienced writer's block myself. Um, I've obviously heard about it. I've heard that it's a thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, personally, I think I'd say just like go and go and write something else. You know, if you're mm, yeah. if you're trying to come up with words for like a song, or you're trying to come up with the words for a, a screenplay or a, a book, then just do the other thing. You know, if it's mm-hmm. if you're trying to write a book, go and try and write a poem or write a song. You know, just yeah. anybody can can make a uh, a song about their what they're doing right now. You know, like I'm picking up a pen and now I've got a highlighter. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Right. So now you're over your writer's block. Now get back to what you were writing. Yeah. I always find walking away is the best thing. Like if I'm mixing or if I'm if I'm doing something where trying to get a drum bit right or something. Walking away is the best thing I can do Um, and come back to it fresh the next day or a couple of hours later. Just try and put out your mind because the more you focus on it, the more frustrated. Yeah. Frustration to drive yourself. Mm. Yeah, and quite often your sub your subconscious will work out stuff for you. I remember when I was teaching myself drums years ago, I couldn't do an offbeat, so I couldn't make uh, my right foot go at a different time. Oh yeah, off 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 the beat of my right hand doing the hi hat. Right, and I I remember one night I must have had a dream and I woke up and I could do it. I could just do it, and oh. I knew I could do it. I went I went straight to my drum kit and I was able to do it. No way. Because I've just been thinking about it so much. Mm. And obviously in my sleep, I just worked out the kind of brain I needed. I don't know what. but So you never, never underestimate the power of your subconscious. If you are stuck on something, especially creatively, just to sort it out for you. I think it can. Like, Like if I'm writing and I can't think of the right word to put in there, then I will walk away. But in the back of your head, it's still going on. Still and worrying. while you're washing up, mm. it might suddenly pop in there. And then you can go, got it, let's mm. go. Um, so I think, yeah, give yourself a bit of space. Don't give yourself a, give, don't give yourself a hard time about it. Like if you find you're coming up against a wall, just walk away for a bit and mm. smell the roses and look outside and look, like get a different perspective yeah. because fresh ears, fresh eyes later on is going to be invaluable. Because mm-hmm. um, there's no point just beating your head against that wall. Yeah, I think the same thing applies for um, people when you're when you've got some negative thoughts as well, you know, just get it, get it out, you know, get it out, dump it somewhere, because otherwise that same thought will just repeat and repeat and repeat, you know, and yeah, you don't want it in there much. either, it's, you know, toxic. And that's why poetry and songwriting and stuff is great for working out that kind of stuff, like my songwriting has like got me purge, over many breakups. It? Yeah, and, mm. and my, just before lockdown in February, I wrote a poem about um, my last night tour guiding in London. It was the day before lockdown, and it was how eerie it was. And I was quite, obviously, it was a very scary time. We were all very unsure what was happening. And this is like, the Blitz is probably the last time something this yes. massive happened to society as a whole. And so it's quite a thing we're living through. And I think the gravity of all that hit me all at once on, on this night I was on the bus driving around an empty London. I've never seen it like that. And it was like uh, 28 days later. 
and it was very odd. And so I found myself on the train home just writing a poem about um, my, the last and what Piccadilly looked like. And there was no one around. And mm. it was quiet from Trafalgar to the palace. And Is that I how you got the pictures poem. for your for the song? Uh, that was a friend of mine okay, there, about, okay. the, about the same time. Yeah. But that's what led on to Almost Ready and the imagery for that. It was all that the headspace I was in at the time, just the eeriness of it all. Um, but yeah, I wrote that poem and it was just, um, I don't write a lot of poems. I normally write songs and people were saying, well, what, what are you going to put this into a song? And I was like, no, I think I'll just keep it as a, keep it as a poem. poem because it was, it was almost therapy for me. It, mm-hmm. was, it was just like, let's work out how I feel about this. Um, mm. quite often, and particularly us men, we're not sure how to go through our feelings and work out how we feel about certain things. So I think certainly writing it, whatever your creative output is, but for me, certainly writing it down and a uh, bit of poetry, bit of imagery, bit of metaphor all helps me work out how I feel about things. Quite often when I write a song, it's only when I get to the end of it and look back at it, I think, Oh, so that's what's going on. Um, I'm obviously worried about <laughs> that. I'm obviously feeling this way a bit. Like yes. it's really helpful to sort of know thyself a bit more. <laughs> um, so I'd say anyone who's inter- interested in creativity in that way, go go and use it as a, a tool of therapy in a way as well. Yeah. See what see what comes out. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think it's as almost like automa- automatic writing people talk about, don't they? It's kind of like that. Yeah, like I, I can definitely relate to that. I've like I've I've kind of done a a few poems like that. that's why i was laughing is is like you can i've definitely been there and kind of gone oh that's what you're thinking about yeah oh, exactly it's odd, okay it? there's little battles going <laughs> it's like having on a here. conversation with yourself yeah yeah it's, it's, it's quite yeah very odd but it is interesting and it's useful i think to, to learn and know yourself and grow mm-hmm. and uh, realize what what your subconscious is worrying about because quite often we'll all play the cool game like Mm. I especially am a bad one for not letting things or thinking things don't affect me at all. Like I like anything can happen. And I think I can just keep this level, just chill, normal guy. That, But obviously inside and subconsciously things that things are going on. And I guess the songwriting is a great way to help me um, release that vent, release the valve and, and let the, the pressure off of that a little bit. So, yeah, I, I as a person, it's invaluable, the writing and the poetry and the the songwriting part of everything which is why it's my favorite part of the whole thing mm, yeah nice i like that i like that it, make, it makes sense right it makes sense as to why you find more fulfillment from mm. it so the last question yeah. from our from our audience is um when you write a song are you more inclined to write about yourself your experiences or do you take inspiration from things you hear from others or see that's quite a multi-layered uh, question, but it's kind of, I guess yeah, it, it just... It is, but it's a great, it's a great question. It really is because um, for me, I am the former. I, I write about myself, as I say. It might, it's normally my subconscious working out something that's going on or a feeling I've got. But I would love to start trying to focus on the latter a bit more and take a bit more inspiration of, um, like, old, uh, do you know, old J? Quite a big Alt band. J, yeah, uh, their yeah, songs are yeah. very interesting. From quite a while ago, right? About sort of like yeah. five, six years ago, something like that, maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah. They, they, would, they would have hit big time about eight years ago, probably, but they've had a couple of albums that since. But I think they're great because, especially that first album, what they write about is quite often extremely, mm. obviously, clever and well read and well versed in what's happening in other parts of the world and not just obsessed with their own. 
yeah with their own process presence well. and mm -hmm. uh, it, very i mean they 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 come from being students and i think they're very uh, clever students and i think they they found themselves going into music when they were probably going to much like queen they're probably going to be nuclear rocket scientists, yeah, rocket scientists something and very very clever <laughs> but uh so i find that fascinating is that they can write stories about things that uh, are happening around the world in history in just stuff that you'd never expect a, an indie record to be written about and i'd love to start doing more stuff like that um i don't often sit down to i don't often go right this is what i'm going to write about i normally just start writing and then look back and see if i can make sense of it and then tweak it to make a bit more sense. Um, a couple of times I have sat down to write a song about something, like Mystery Team. Mm -hmm. Like um, I have a song called Whatever Happened to Eddie, which is about what happened to the policeman I played in Hollyoaks after, <laughs> after I left. And he, like, he became a drunk and he got his own vigilante cop show on another channel. Oh, <laughs> but it was just I, me I... like finishing yeah. off the story yeah you know? I, did, I haven't but found that track me. actually yeah that's a, probably one no, of the ones that i haven't found yeah that's, that's awesome i'll, I like I'll record that. it for the album that'll okay. be an extra okay exclusive oh, I see. you've never you. actually performed it is it you've never performed that i've I, I performed it but, but I, never recorded. i haven't got it out anywhere right. i've never recorded it so here's a decision i'm gonna put one more track on my album I'm going to, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to do that. Do it. So that's, if I do don't it. do it, I'm very sorry. But that's the plan. <laughs> that's because great. it's, it's a good great. song. It's a fun song. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I should, I should start looking at um, writing about other things uh, that aren't in my world at all. Um, that'd be interesting to see if I could do it and um, see what comes out. So mm -hmm. thank you for that question. That certainly yeah, nice. inspired me. Yeah, it's a great question. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. Awesome, awesome. I mean, I think I see you got that nice uh, bottle of gin behind you. You know, maybe uh, you could write your first song about uh. gin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> could, 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 could write your next song about some but gin. But it doesn't, not just gin, but it, but it should be about gin in the 1700s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Queen Anne or something yeah. like that, you know. Miles away from my own world. Like, that, yeah, I'm going to start trying to... Uh, do something a bit clever yeah. see how it turns out. yeah exactly is that, <laughs> is that on this album have we got that to look forward to in the follow-up no i think that'll be i think that'll be after die hard the musical okay. then i'll get started on on writing some abstract okay. things about other worlds nice the easy to do third <laughs> album yeah there's gonna be lots of ambient noise mm -hmm. and whale sounds mm -hmm. and <laughs> what album will this be this one coming up you how many did you do with princip so you got a couple out with so, Princip? So uh, I, I only did one album. With, yeah. No, I did one album with Princip. We did like a, a, we did an EP and then we did like a few singles and then we stuck them all together and a couple of others into an album and that's still out. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's it really. I mean, I've never been able to do much recording because I've always been poor. So unless I do home recording, which isn't quality enough to normally put out anywhere, I haven't actually got that much time in a studio mm -hmm. um, hence my lack of knowledge of how to do it um my, my previous band was called dusty muzzle and we did some recordings um through quite often college students will be doing a a, a, a course on engineering and they'll want bands to come in oh, so yeah. they can record mm -hmm. a couple of tracks mm -hmm. and it's great for a band who hasn't got much money yeah, because if like you can a find a student idea. that's looking for something then they get their project finished you get a free recording out of it and mm -hmm. you get a bit of experience in the studio so i've done that a few times um but this uh, this album is 
pretty much my first big first album, big solo venture yeah home recorded home studio yeah you're gonna bite the home bug studio. you know this right that kitchen's gonna be turning into a proper with the the egg egg boxes on the walls <laughs> <laughs> i thought about getting my duvet and going underneath yeah. that to record like vocal booth sort of quality i'm working out as we go mm-hmm. it's very like you can see i've got a little i've got everything set up here all my drum love it and everything no room to cook anything anymore so i'm just living <laughs> on takeout <laughs> that's great dude i mean you could work that in right you could work you in, some, cook cooking, in some cooking sounds you know you could have a whole track in my next music it. video yeah i mean it's like my next um, music video should just be me like washing up Cooking. Yeah, you could. I might do that. I might yeah, do that. you could take some inspiration from Pink Guy. You ever seen that that bloke, Pink Guy? I don't know. That guy, it's, um, it's, he's now he's now retired all of his characters, and he's uh, he's called Joji. Does that make ring a bell? No. no. So no, he, was, no. he was kind of like the birth of the you know the YouTube kind of the old YouTube you know those guys that old kind of group yeah. of people and um, he had these yeah. you know various characters and uh, they were all quite outlandish but then he um, he branched off and had a music career kind of on the YouTube channel with this pink guy and uh, yeah he got so into it he retired all the characters and then became an actual uh, hip-hop uh, artist off the back of it because he was just like oh get rid of all that i actually really love music now so you know that's wild isn't it wow. yeah just doing it in his kitchen you know that is mad. yeah as well yeah, yeah, so rather than, like you, know, of- you know, you've obviously had the experience of performing live to people and, uh, you know, across the, across the country and already been in a band, you know, and now you're, you're kind of going the other way, I guess, of home studio, bang, there's my center of creativity. <laughs> yeah. There it is, there's the genesis. From, I've gone from the outside in. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the kitchen is clearly the genesis to, to progress. <laughs> At any house party you've ever been to, where is the fun? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's always the Every kitchen. Time, always the it's kitchen. It's all about the kitchen. I nice. wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't even record. Uh, I wouldn't record in the living room if you paid me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, look, we've got a, a a kind of quick fire last thing. Quick fire. You've been incredibly generous with your time today, Shay. It's, oh, no, it's been it's, it's been, been so fantastic. Fun, you, you've in, you've enjoyed oh, it. I loved it. Fantastic. Yeah, very Fantastic. much. Very much. I so, love just sitting and chewing the fat. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So the the this is a, a quick fire round. I'm going to give you a phrase um, or an idea, and you are going to tell me whether you are confident or not confident. Okay, that's all it is. Confident or not confident. Best man speech. Confident. Parenthood. Confident. Not confident. Tightrope walking. Not confident. <laughs> Running for prime minister. Confident. Skydiving. Confident. Nice. And doing it all again. If you were to go back, you know, what was it a 13-year-old Shay Watson doing it all again? Not confident. <laughs> oh, that's good. For that one, I'm going to put between not confident and apprehensive. 
Who'd want to go to all that again? That's, a, that's another level right there. I don't know how I would feel. I think I think I'd be kind of down for it. I don't know. I don't know whether I get my knowledge though. That's the thing. Do I keep my knowledge? That's Do I it. not get my knowledge? Or am I just going to be the same? Am I just going to be the same old idiot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah making again. the same same errors, same choices. No, oh, man. it's been a slog. No, I don't know. No, no, no. Give us a shout out again of all of the stuff, everything that you can find us on, release of release day of the album, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so um, look out for the album. I think I'll be able to drop it next Monday. Um, there are a couple of things I need to check, but it will be out next week, if not um, next Monday. Uh, so you can, best place to get me on is if you are on Facebook, go to facebook.com forward slash Shay Watson presents. That's C H E Watson as in Sherlock Holmes. And so Shay Watson presents or one word uh, at Twitter at the Shay Watson, Instagram at the Shay Watson and youtube.com forward slash Shay Watson. Um, find me on any of those places uh, hit me up give me a message if, if you want to know where to find stuff um, but just find me on there I'll be constantly giving you all the info on the album uh, you can find my music videos on there there are some singles I have out on Spotify Apple iTunes already uh, they'll be on the album as well but if you want to find them earlier then uh, just search for The Sweet Spot or Mystery Team by Shay and Almost Ready is another one um, I think that's pretty much all the plugs but uh if you want to know more just come and find me on twitter at the shay watson and uh, send me a message say hi nice are you pretty active on your twitter um i am i i don't think anyone actually pays attention but i'm certainly uh, <laughs> tweeting away every day <laughs> uh-huh. that's cool that's uh, i've cool. got more interaction on facebook if i'm honest a lot more people find me on there um but uh, certainly, I think a lot of people, It's if you want to find out info, then you can just go to Twitter quite easily and uh, look down my feed. You'll find my songs. You'll find out where to find everything else that you want to look at. Awesome. And uh, do you have any like parting, parting words for our, for our audience? Any kind of any gems? I mean, you've been dropping some serious gems throughout the call. But uh, is there anything else that you've well, kind of gone? Ooh. OK, so um, a friend of mine. Little little story. This mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. a friend of mine uh, said, uh, and I'm very much paraphrasing. I believe it was an old philosopher that said, "Rich people worry about the end of the world; poor people worry about the end of the week." I think of our, I think as artists and creatives, we do both. Nice, nice, love that. Love that, Shay. Some parting words. And uh, thank you ever so much, Shay. You've been an absolute an absolute beaut today. Bloody fantastic. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. It's a beauty. <laughs> yeah, it's been fantastic. I've had so much fun.